0: You're listening to Southside Baptist Church Podcast with our pastor, Dr. Jeff Parker. For more audio content, please refer to our website at ssbaptistchurch.com. Amen. You can be seated. I want you to take your Bibles and open them over there to the New Testament, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Well, really, today we'll be in chapter 9. We've been looking at a series called Surviving Your Finances. And in, in this year long of looking at the family and, you know, I, I've gone back because people have responded, uh, people have said, man, you've really been preaching hard. And I've heard this on several occasions from several different people. And I actually began to ask myself, well, why? You know, yeah, I, I think sometimes I'm studying Jeremiah right now and even the minor prophets and Jeremiah was called the reluctant prophet. And I think in some ways, a lot of times that's the way I feel, especially about some subjects. Uh, when Jesus made the statement, he said, you cannot serve both God and mammon. I've always thought it was fascinating, Reggie, that he used the Araba- uh, the, um, uh, the Aramaic there and was basically making the statement that if we are not careful that money can become a God and it can literally be the Lord of our life. and. To me, out of all of the years, 30 something years of pastoring and ministering to people and counseling with them, I find that over and over again, that this is probably the pivotal problem in most people's lives. In all honesty, people simply do not know how to handle money. And because of that, they live in debt. And that debt becomes basically the lord of their life. In other words, they cannot do a lot of things that God may want them to do or desire for them to do because they're in debt. Proverbs 22 verse 7 says the borrower is slave to the who? To the lender. And so what happens is, is that people are never able to be all that God would have them to be. if it, it, Money affects every area of your life. It affects every area of my life. If you don't know how to handle your finances, if you don't know how to handle debt, if you allow debt to run away in your life and take control of your life, then I want you to hear me. That will affect every relationship that you have. It'll affect your marriage. It'll affect your parenting. It'll affect your relationship with friends, family. It will affect your relationship with God. So it is critical that you and I learn how to handle finances, that we learn how to handle our money. We have the right idea of money. So much of our life, we mess out because of debt. I can tell you over and over again, there are mission projects, there are ministry opportunities, there are things that God would have you to do and be involved in, but the reality is is that for many of you in this room, and you don't have to tell me this, you are in such debt. You are in such financial bondage that you don't have the freedom to be instantly available to God to do whatever God wants to do. Plus, on, in reality, you're robbed of life. You know, travel is so easy today. It is unbelievable. You take Priceline. I don't know if anybody... Some of you may be for me. Heather's already laughing because I love Priceline. I love to go on there and just bid even if I'm not going to do anything. You know, just give some unbelievable fly to Africa for $400. You know, well, if it works out, I'll go, you know. But, you know, the the, the truth of the matter is there's so many things in ministry, in missions, things that God would have you to do, that if you're not careful, the enemy will leave you tied up in bondage your whole life, and you will die one day in debt, never having achieved all that God would want in your life. So I want you to listen very closely. Listen to David Robinson. David Robinson was the the famous NBA star of the San Antonio Spurs. A very outspoken Christian. In fact, we would love to get him to come here in August to speak when we're having a major event for JPS schools. that We're planning right now in the the planning stages. But listen to what David Robinson said, this Hall of Famer. He said, uh, said, David Robinson, NBA star of the of the Spurs feeds the homeless through his Feed My Sheep program. He helps needy families get diapers and baby food through a charity that he calls the Ruth Project. But listen to what he said about giving. These aren't sacrifices for me. If I'm clutching onto my money with both hands, how can I be free to hug those I love? In other words, what David Robinson understood was this. The things that God has given me, the blessings, the fame, the fortune, the money, all of the all of this stuff that God has given me, he said, listen, if I'm clinging to that so tightly, then what hand do I have free to embrace those people that I love? That's not only true of his wife and his children. That is true even of his relationship with God. Because just like Moses, sometimes we're leaning against the staff. We're leaning against something. It may be something that God has given us. When God is saying to us, I need you to throw it down because I need you to lean against me. And that's true even of stuff. So I want to take a moment and I want to pray. And I want you to pray today. God, make my ears very tentative, attentive to this last sermon in this series on dealing with finances. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we just pray that the power of your Holy Spirit, dear Lord, would speak to every single one of us. Dear Lord, remind us there's so much that we could do, we can do, that, dear Lord, if you will set us free from the lordship of bondage that holds us, dear Lord, captive like prisoners. We live in a society today when so many families, so many marriages, so many young couples are horribly in debt. And under the stress and the pressure of that, Lord, they cannot cannot do all, God, that you would have them to do. We pray today, dear Lord, if one person would learn the lessons of stewardship, it would have been worth it for the whole series. Lord, I ask you to cleanse me, to forgive me. Dear Lord, if there be any thought, deed, idle word, anything, dear Lord, anything in my life, dear Lord, cover it under the blood of Jesus. Make me a vessel today that would speak your word very clearly. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. We said this, Paul was writing to the church at Corinth. Now Corinth, that that city that was located in in a place that they called the they called it the place of the dragging because what ships would do if they were on their way to Athens in the Roman Empire, if they were on their way to Athens, the peninsula they would have to travel around would be so difficult that they would make the sailors get all of their affairs in order, make sure they had a will before they made this journey. So because of that, they, they found it easier to take their ship and to drag it right through Corinth in this four and a half mile stretch that they would just kind of, they would take the ship and put it on timbers and roll it and drag it this four miles and then put it back into the sea and make the rest of the journey. Corinth was a place where Aphrodite was the god. They worship an idol called Aphrodite. They, they, they had over a thousand temple prostitutes that would literally roam the streets, male and female prostitutes. This was a very wicked city. As we said, it was the Las Vegas of the New Testament. And yet God plants a church there. And Paul here is writing to the church at Corinth because he's been reminding them, these New Testament believers, and what Paul would do in Philippi, Thessalonica, Berea, Corinth, he would take all of these churches and he would unite them together and they would receive an offering and they would send it back to Jerusalem to these Jews that literally were losing everything because they had identified with Christ. And so Corinth had been the first one to sign the pledge card to say, listen, we're behind you, Paul. We want to be a part of this. Man, we are invested in this. And now they begin, to kind of, they begin to kind of back off a little bit. They had not been committed. They had not done what they had said they would do. So Paul's trying to encourage them that they need to follow through with their gift and they need to give. Now picking up at verse 6, Paul says this. He says, remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided where? In his heart. In his heart to give not reluctantly or under compulsion for God loves what kind of giver? A cheerful giver. And we said that there's principles of stewardship that you and I need to learn. And what Paul was teaching this church at Corinth, and I believe it would revolutionize your life. If you and I could listen and take to heart what I'm saying today and what the scripture teaches today, I think it would change your life. Some of you young people, you don't have to make the mistakes that your parents made or are making. And the first principle is this Paul was saying that God gives you and I seed, that's simple. Seed means blessings. In other words, everything that you and I have is a gift that has been given to us from God. I was writing Sheila and I went by and picked up Ethan Friday. I was telling Alicia about this this morning. And, and, and he was sitting in the, in the car seat in the back seat behind me. Sheila was here, I was here, and he was so excited because we had picked him up from the daycare center. Boy, he just was so excited. When well, he had a coat hanger and he started reaching up and he said, He said, Papa, reach you, uh, reach you. And I didn't even, I, I've never, I, I was amazed that a kid not yet two years old was using the word reach. But I guess that's what God is trying to say to you in this surviving your finances. God is trying to reach you about an area of your life that if you don't straighten up and correct will affect every area of your life. You will never enjoy life. You will never achieve God's will and His purpose for your life because you'll live your life in bondage. And so what God is trying to do is God's trying to reach you. Now Paul says to the church at Corinth, he said, Listen, God gives you seed. He gives you and I blessings, money, possessions, family, children. Children are an inheritance from the Lord. They are a gift from God. But so is your life. So is your house. So is your car. So is the paycheck you get every week. So is every gift that comes into your life is seed. That's what Paul was saying. Now look what Paul says. He says, secondly... You and I have something to do with that seed. We can, we can plant it. We can invest it. I call this, in fact, let me give you a way to remember this, and you can kind of use this for fun. I call this the pH factor. Anybody ever heard of that? The pH factor. Some of these that have gone through school, they probably, they probably know this. Potential hydrogen. It is how we measure, measure soil, let's say, or anything. We, we measure the pH factor, the potential hydrogen, whether it is an alkaline or an acid, in which way it leans. And, and, and I was just sitting there looking at this, this acidity and this alkaline combination solutions. And, and if there's seven, if the pH is seven, that means that it's neutral. Water it has a pH of seven, that means it's neutral. Blood, I thought this was interesting. Blood has a pH of 7.365. Now, I don't know about you, but even that fascinates me because 7 is a divine number. It's interesting that the pH factor here is 7. And it's interesting that in the case of blood, 7.365, that it adds up to 21 three times 7. Both numbers. Bleach is 13, has a pH factor of 13. Lemon juice has a pH of 2. Some of you are lemon juice. But in our illustration here, I want to use this idea of pH factor. And for some of you young people, I want you to hang on to this. Because by this, I mean this. Your pH factor is whether you plant it or whether you hoard it. This is what Paul was saying. Paul was saying to the church at Corinth, and he's saying to you and I, inspired by the Holy Spirit, he's saying, listen, all of the blessings that you and I get, that God gives us, we have a choice. We can either plant it, and let me warn you here, that's not necessarily a broad general statement that you give everything away. You know, the Bible tells us we're to save. The writer of Proverbs said, consider the ant how the ant stores away and puts away. You need to save. There needs to be a discipline in your life, not only to systematically give through the tithe and through the offering, but systematically putting away because you never know what the future holds. If you're not systematically saving, then my friend, to a degree, you're sinning against a holy God because God tells us to save. So when I say plant here, or when I say begin to invest, I'm not just simply saying that a, a farmer he plans, he tills, he does all of these things. The Bible said, I love what John Wesley said. Wesley said this. He said, give away as he said, save as much as you can, and give away as much as you can. Stan and I've talked a lot about John Wesley, and I think when Wesley died, he hardly had anything in his possession. And yet this man had shaken the entire world with the gospel. But I want to ask you today, what is your pH factor? What do you plant? What do you hoard? And you may say, well, what do you mean by hoard? That means that instead of taking those seeds, those blessings, and and, and investing them into the kingdom of God, into the things of God, the idea of hoarding is either you stash it or you squander it. You see, when we stash something and we put it away, sometimes what drives us to do that is fear, and we've talked about this. There is no place, I said it last week, I'll say it again, there is no place for the word greedy or stingy in the vocabulary of a believer. That is alien to the very nature of the Holy Spirit that fills us. You can't hang on to it and you can't take it with you. I love this story, I read about a man who went to a perfume, to a cosmetic counter, much like maybe at belts. and he told them, he said, my wife and I's anniversary's is coming up, and he said, I'd like to buy her a bottle of perfume, and the lady went and brought a bottle, and he said, well, how much is that? And she said, $75. He said, well, you got anything a little bit cheaper? And she said, well, uh, here, she said, this is $50, and he said, well, he said, He said, You got anything cheaper? She said, Well, I I got something here. This is this is fifteen dollars. He finally looked at her and said, Ma'am, you don't understand. I'd like to see something real cheap. She held up the mirror. You you see, the truth of the matter is, is that imagine a God, imagine Jesus being stingy. I love James 1.5. You know what it says there? It says, ask God who gives generously to all who ask. Malachi said this. He said, see if God will not open up, listen to the wording here, the windows of heaven and pour it out. So to the life of a believer, listen, you're either planting the seed, you're either planting blessings, you're either investing those blessings into the kingdom of God, or you are hoarding them and hanging on to them. Parent, you can do that with your children. You can so take your children, hide them away, tuck them away, and do this to the degree that you're not investing them into the kingdom of God. I talked to a man the other day that had made the decision to move to Jackson. I can tell you who he is. He's on staff at New Horizon. New Horizon is set out to put 200 families back into the city of Jackson. This man who's a staff member, I have great respect for him, he made this statement. He said, I'm getting ready to take my children out of Clinton Public Schools and I'm going to put them in Jackson Public Schools. Wow. a school that may possibly is right now battling with accreditation. And yet this man, Henry Joseph, this man, this pastor, was saying, he's saying, our pastor, Ronnie Crudup, has challenged us to bring people and come back in and invest in this kingdom. And he said, I'm getting ready to bring my family and put them right here. And I'm going to put my children. High school, listen to this. Some of those children are high school students. I'm getting ready to put them in Jackson Public School system. Some of you here, that is absolutely alien to you. And because of that, you'll never be used mightily by God. Your children won't either. Every missionary does that. Sheila's sitting there right now nodding her head because the reality is, the truth is, is that when you liquidate all your stuff and you put your children on a 21-hour flight, and you go into a place like Chetanguiza, which is a high-density township, sitting outside of Harori, and for a while we homeschooled, and after a while we put them in the African schools, those schools that were there in Harori. You know, there's a cost. Do you hoard or do you plant? And this pH factor, and it's so powerful here, so do you stash it, Or do you squander it? Well, what do you mean? We're either going to, if we're a hoarder, then what we're doing, we're either stashing it away or we're squandering it away on stuff, on junk that makes no difference. People who do this, I say they have an attitude problem. Sometimes our attitude is, this is my stuff and I can do with it as I please. Is that true? Everything that you and I have has been given from a holy God. Everything that we have. And the idea here is, in what Paul was saying to the church at Corinth, he's saying, listen, if you sow sparingly, you'll, we- you'll reap a sparingly given harvest. Sometimes we have an attitude problem. It's my stuff, I can do with it what I want to do. That is not kingdom thinking. Kingdom thinking is it's God's stuff. No, this is God's stuff, and He can do with it what He wants to In Philippians chapter 2, in fact, take a right there, just over from 2 Corinthians, right there close by. Look at Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 through 8. Watch this attitude, because some of us need an attitude adjustment. Some of us are squandering on junk and stuff that won't make any difference because the reality is, is we have an attitude problem. Listen to what Paul said to the church at Philippi. Now, remember this, the Philippian believers, hear me, The Philippian believers had come through. Paul used them for an example. In in Philippians chapter 2, beginning at verse 5, he says, your attitude should be the same as what? As that of Christ Jesus, who being in the very form or the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. That means he emptied himself taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, being found in the appearance as of a man, he humbled himself, became obedient to death, even to the death of the cross. This past Monday, uh, which is the third Monday... I made the decision and I've been telling the staff for quite a while that I felt led by the Lord just to take some of the young men that he caused problems on Wednesday night or I didn't know whether they would come or not but just simply to send a call out there and to say to them, to send out through the grapevine, listen, we want you to come and we're and from Monday afternoon from 4 to 6, we're going to open up our gym and we invite you to come and, and the only thing that I wanted to do was simply share the gospel fix Gatorade, do some things for these young men, and try to love them because love never fails. I had about 14, 13 or 14 guys, had a great time, had an opportunity, waited on them hand and foot, fixing drinks, fixing Gatorade, fixing nabs over and over again, picking up, doing this, doing this, loving on them, giving them the tracks. And then at the end of that, there were two guys left, and when it came time to go, I'd stayed there longer than I'd planned to. And finally, two guys were left. They were trying to find a ride, this guy. And finally, one guy left, went down to, to Dairy Queen. Another guy, he kept using my phone, wanted to use my phone, wanted to use my phone. I kept letting him use my phone. He'd walk off a little ways. He'd come back. And then finally, I said, look, man, why don't I just drive you over to where your mom works? And, and uh, we get over there to McDonald's, over there on uh, Terry Road. He said, well, pull down to the next road. My auntie lives over here. I pull around there. And then he, he says, can I borrow your phone one more time? Opens the door, and he's gone, running off of my iPhone. You know, I, knew, I should have known there was something wrong because I was sitting there looking at a young man perfectly healthy who was texting his mom and calling his mom over and over again saying, Mom, come pick me up and take me to... He wanted to get down to about where New Jerusalem was. I thought, why, you lazy little skunk. You sorry, good-for-nothing rascal!" how dare you think that your mom working a fast food job over there, barely making ends meet. Now, I don't know, undoubtedly she didn't work at McDonald's, but she worked somewhere because I saw the text messages. And she was saying, I can't get off work and come drive you. You see, that's the problem. I thought to myself, the reason the city's in a mess that it's in, the reason that we have crime is a lot of times the truth of the matter is we don't have impoverished young people, we got lazy We've got lazy young people that have been spoiled by a single mom and they bully her. That's the problem. And you can tell them I said that and tell them to come apologize to me. You see, this is the nature. When we begin to squander, when we begin to see the blessings of God and we see it's something that either we're stashing it out of fear or we're squandering it away. And if you're squandering away, you've got an attitude problem. You've got an altitude problem. What plane do you live on? Some people are low living. Some people are living on a higher plane. Everything has been given to me to advance the kingdom of God. That old song says, I'm pressing on the upward way. New heights I'm gaining every day. Is that true of your life? Some of us are too busy living a low life. We're surface living. We're in the world. We're here and now. We're in the gutter or we're flirting with the gutter. I'm so tired of God's people playing and dabbling in the world. If you and I are not careful what we'll do, we'll spend our lives squandering time, energy, blessings and money and effort playing and flirting in the world. And I want you to know something. I'm tired of it. I told Sheila this past week, I'm so tired of hearing the church members and lives they're living. I told Sheila this. I said, I don't know what happened to me. I hadn't told nobody this. I told her the other day. A while back, a while back a man came to our door needing help. I went to that door. He was dingy and dirty. Smell of liquor was on him. And that man, I tried to help him as best I could. I tried to talk to him about Christ. I finally gave him a sack lunch and he was so drunk that he began to walk across the front of this building. And he pulled his pants down. He began to urinate right around the front of that building, around the front of this church. And all of a sudden, I can't tell you what happened. I told Sheila, I said, Sheila, I've never had this happen to me in my life. And I believe it was the power of God's Holy Spirit. A roar came out of me that was like a lion. It was as if I had been incensed, I had been insulted This is the house of God. As one of our men said last week to a couple of women that were stealing and stealing and stealing from our church, he finally walked down there when the deacons didn't do something. He finally said, I'm going to do something. He walked up to a couple of women. He said, I'm tired of you stashing and storing away in your purse. Stop it. We can't keep sugar in none of these rooms because people steal them. We can't keep toilet paper because people steal them. That's a thief. And not even is the church sacred anymore. We've lost units, we've lost this, and we've lost that. And I tell you what, JPD can come apologize to me too. Because if I saw the interest of the officer that came and took my report about my iPhone, God help us. And I want to say to JPD, we are in a lot more dangerous. We don't have a sidearm. We don't have backup. And we've been robbed, cheated, stolen, and whipped and kicked around. And we continue to do what we do. I tell you what, folks, we're coddling this city right on into the the gates of hell. We ought to be ashamed of ourselves. Low living. Some of you in this room, it's it's low living. You're flirting with the world. And the reality is that you and I, if we're not careful, we'll squander away the things that God has given us. Mike Herman, a man from Illinois, wrote this. Listen to this. He said, I sat next to a little boy who so wanted a baseball. He was at a professional baseball game. He said, I sat next to a little boy who so wanted a baseball that though I had been going to Cardinals, St. Louis Cardinal games, for 28 years, I had never caught one ball. Not a home run ball, not a foul ball, not a practice ball, nothing. He said, I finally told this little boy named James, if I catch a ball, it's yours. You want to guess what happened? He said, within five minutes, you guessed it, I caught a ball and I had to give it to James. But listen to his conclusion. He said, I wonder how often God waits, listen to this young people, I wonder how often God waits to give us something until we're willing to give it back or to give it away. Isn't that powerful? I wonder how often God waits to give us something until we are willing to give it away. Winston Churchill said this. He said, we make a living by what we get. We make a life by what we give. Wow. So what's your pH factor? Now I want you to see this real quickly. Watch what Paul says. Paul says this. He says to these people, God gives you seed. God gives you seed. God gives you seed. He gives you blessings. He gives you these things. He gives me these things in order to plant them and invest them into the kingdom of God. I think God sometimes looks around and when he finds a channel of blessings, he says to those in heaven, he says, angels, just let her rip. I found me another one. Blind Bob Smith taught Sheila and I this 30 years ago. We were in a little old country church up in the Delta, in a place called Kruger. We had a a revival and Bob preached, the first revival Bob ever preached. We we took up a nice offering, but it wasn't that much. A few days later, we got a check from Bob for $100. Now, back then, it was about 1982, $100. Wow, that was something. <laughs> I told Sheila, put on your red dress, mama, because we're going out tonight. I mean, you know, that's something. But Bob Smith would sit and he would talk to Sheila and I, discipling us, talking to us about God's blessings and don't hang on to them. Don't hoard them. Invest them into the kingdom. And he told us a principle that we've never forgotten. Now, this is what Paul was saying. You, people may say in verses 6 and 7, people may say, well, you know, I'm just, I'm just not getting much. My friend, you may have a small harvest because you're, it's, your sowing is small. Let me prove this to you. Watch what Paul goes on to say. Look at verse 10. In, in, in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 10, now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, now look, well, look right above that verse 9, as it is written, he has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Then in verse 10, now he who supplies seed, okay, we've already said, number one, God gives you, God gives me the seed in order for me to plant it. But why? Look at verse Verse 11. Now now verse 10, Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Now look at verse 11. You will be made rich in every way. What's the next two words of the NIV? So that you can be what? You can be generous. You see, God, listen, God gives us the seed. Number two, He is the supplier of the seed. Why does He give us the seed? Verse 11, to be rich, to hoard it, to hang on to it? No. God says so that you and I can be what? We can be generous on every occasion, looking for opportunities. Listen, God's people are on high alert to invest into the kingdom of God. We're looking for ways. God blesses us, God gives us something, we immediately say, God, what am I going to do with this? Every one of these graduates here across the front should be asking the question, God, you've given me this achievement in my life, now what are you going to do with it? What do you want me to do with it? Whether it be nursing, whether it be uh, as as a staff member, whether it be a high school kid. Now moving on to Heinz. Heinz Community College is a mission field. It is an unreached mission field. And I've heard people say Mississippi College is not any different. So God gives us the supply of seed so that we can be generous. Number three, watch this, verse 12. This service, Paul said to the church at Corinth, that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people. Wow. Wow but it is overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. It results in thanksgiving to God. People's needs are being met. If there's somebody in this congregation who's hurting, who's struggling, who's barely squeaking by, God, as you're praying, as God begins to lay that person on your heart, you can tell that, you see that. God begins to speak to you. God begins to say to you, you need to go to that person and see how you could help them, how you may be able to assist them. It may be where you work. You may be a teacher at school. How many children are coming to school? They haven't eaten. They don't have adequate clothing. Mom's struggling. You don't know what heartache may be going on in their life. But as you're reading the Word of God, as you're in prayer, as you're walking in intimate fellowship, you're sensitive to the Holy Spirit and God will move you, listen, He'll move you across Cracker Barrel to go over and pick up somebody's ticket and say to them, I don't know why, but God told me to come pick this up and pay for it. David Robinson years ago was in a Cracker Barrel. From what I heard, it was a restaurant. I think it was Cracker Barrel. And a woman came over and had had a bulletin from a funeral service she said, Mr. Robinson, she, Robinson, she said, I, I, I wanted to ask you to do me a favor. said, my brother thought the world of you. He died of cancer, and we're burying him today. And I wanted to ask you, would you sign this for me? David Robinson, that big NBA star, you know what he did? He took that woman, his hands are just massive. He took those big old hands, and he wrapped them around that little woman's hands. he said, first, could I pray for you? And they said, when he began to pray, he said, the whole restaurant bowed their head and out of respect and begin to pray right along with them. Tim Tebow is a classic example of taking what God has given and investing in the kingdom of God. That's what we do. And this is what Paul was saying. And Paul says here, he says, thirdly, there'll be thanksgiving. God's people needs will be met in verse 12. And there'll be a volcanic eruption of shouts and glory and worship because their faith has been strengthened by your obedience. Listen, somebody, some poor mom barely struggling, barely making ends meet. And God puts it on you. There are people in this congregation, some of them who are hurting, who are barely squeaking by. I know some of them if you don't. Man, we've got a precious, precious family in this church that barely squeaks by. One of the kindest, most sweetest women I know and ever known in my life. But how many of us have ever been sensitive enough to the Holy Spirit to say to that mama, look, here's a $50 gift card to Walmart. I know it's struggling. I know it's tough for you to make it. And God puts you on my heart. Listen, you know what she'll do? She'll drop down on her knees and lift up praise and glory and thanksgiving to God. She'll say, God, thank you that you, dear God, sent me this. Why? Because she'll give honor and glory to the one who led you to give. That's the way God works. This is what Paul was saying. Two more and then we'll close. Paul said it results in thanksgiving to God and it results in worship. In verse, tw- in verse 12, he says, but overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God because, verse 13, because of the service by which you proved yourself, you have proved yourself, men will, look at this, they will praise God. Obedience that accompanies your confession of faith that has feet. People will praise God. I love the story. I used to hear it years ago. little old white woman was... Lived across, and there was a juke joint across from her, and boy, they get to hop, hopping and carrying on, and just all hours of the night, and it just break this old senior adult, this old elderly woman, just broke her heart. And the reason I say she was a white woman is because she had a dear, precious black woman who was a friend of hers, another senior adult. And she called her one day. She said, I just need you to come over Friday and I need you to pray with me about this juke joint. I'm just so tired of it. It's all hours of the night, drunken and drugs and everything. She said, it just burdens me so much. This little white woman is just broken over it. She called this old black woman to come with her and to pray with her. And that old black woman pulled up and that old beat up car of hers got out came in with a big old giant black Bible up under his arm, came in, sat down, they began to pray. You could hear them praying. You could hear them praying and praying and praying. That Saturday morning, that white woman got up and she looked out and that thing was smoldering ashes. It was burnt to the ground. She called that black woman friend of hers, that old black senior old woman, and she said, I don't understand. He said, I've been praying about this for weeks, for years. How come you come pray One time. God puts it like ashes, smoldering ashes. That old black saint said it's because I put feet behind my prayers, honey. <laughs> you know, the Bible talks about sometimes we say things, you know, go away and be filled, but we don't put feet behind it. I'm going to tell you what, God, God listen, God, God released Peter out of prison. But God wouldn't open the gate at the courtyard. God will never do, don't you pray about something. God will never do what you can do for yourself. Finally, and I love this look at verse 14. Verse 13, because of the service by which you have proved yourself, men will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your, profe- your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. In other words, you got, man, people are going to praise, they're going to worship, they're going to worship God. Hurry up, praise team, I don't want you to come. to. Hey, praise team, stop the praise team. Come this way. Come this way. You can't miss this. This is too good, you can't miss it. Y'all can just kind of ease on down to it. That's all right. The last one is this. Look at verse 14. And in their prayers for you, Their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given to you. Thanks be to God for His indescribable gift. You know what they begin to do? When you and I begin to, we just listen, we're a channel of blessing. We're meeting this need, that need. We're sensitive to God's Holy Spirit. We're beginning to see every blessing, everything God brings into our life is something that's going to flow in us, it flows to us, and it flows through us and affects the lives of other people. As we begin to touch other people's lives you know what they begin to do they begin to pray for you they begin to pray for me I pray for those people who have a giving spirit because I know that God is going to give them even more I prayed for farmers that they'd have bumper crops because you know what there's some farmers I tell you what Sandy and Craig Boykin up there in Anguilla those people, are the, they are givers. Man, they're givers. And I can tell you this, God blesses them. God blesses them like no other farmer in the delta. Why? Because God says, I've got a channel, I've got a river. I've got, I can flow blessings through this person. Send them on down. And that's what he's looking for in your life and in my life. And those kind of people, business, there's some people Business people, they're godly Christian people. Do you wonder why God blesses them? He blesses them because they're channels. And He'll bless you. We sent $4,500 to Zimbabwe. Let me tell you what those people did when they got that money. They were praising and worshiping and thanking God for you and I. And let me tell you what old Simon Jaina, old Simon Jaina, an old African pastor whose face is paralyzed on side, Old Simon Jane will get up three or four o'clock in the morning, and old Simon Jane, you know who he's praying for? All of you. An old godly African saint praying for all of you, praying for this church. Homeless, tucked under bridges, will sometimes say, Brother Jeff, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for Southside. But it all comes down to this. Paul says it in Second Corinthians 8, 5. The key, they gave themselves first to the Lord. God, listen. Let, let me say, just go ahead and stand. Let, let, me, let me just put it this way. I told you about a businessman out here who wrote a check for three times the amount of what we had received for the Gideon offering. And he said to me, he said, here's a check, brother. He was so burdened, tears, so burdened. He said, brother Jeff, here's the check. This is three times what we took up for the Gideon offering. We had nearly $500 Gideon offering. And then he said, and I'll pay the Gideon offering. And he's handing me a check for $1,500 and he's, and he's going to tear our check up. And he made this statement, he said, uh, because I want to help. I said, well, if you really want to help, I said, we don't need that check, we don't need your money, we need you. He folded the check, put it in his pocket, took the offering that we had taken up, received, and he left. And he wept all the way to his car parked over here. A businessman that every single person in this room would know if I were to call his name. You see, I knew something. It wasn't a matter of his money, his resources. I knew that if he came and planted his life here, that all of that would be available. I wasn't going to sit there and squabble and carry on over $1,500. We were talking about a man's life. And some of you in this room, God can't do anything with you because you've never given him your life. That's the bottom line. And God will never, listen, God will never be able to do anything great in you, through you, and with you until you come to the point that you say, Lord Jesus, here I am. And the first offering that I give, Lord, is me. I, I'm the first offering. I'm the first act of obedience, the first offering. Everything that you've given up to that moment is insignificant in the eyes of God. It means nothing to God until you first say, Lord, here I am. This is me. This is my life. And I give it to you to invest in your kingdom. And I'm not going to dabble in it. I'm not going to play with it. I'm not going to constantly flirt and go back and forth. God, here I am, lock, stock, and barrel. Lord, you're Lord of my life. Not my finances, you're Lord. Everything you send my way, Lord, first of all, foremost, this life. I will invest in the kingdom. And that's what God is wanting to do in your life. You know, the preacher that came to the home, dads, the preacher who came to the home and sat and talked to a man, or tried to, trying to talk over a ball game. little bitty boy, about three or four years old, running around and playing. That preacher, feeling like he had fell flat on his face, finally said almost apologetically, well, I guess I better go. It was Saturday afternoon, college ball. Some of you worship." College Baltimore, that's Lord of your lives. But anyway, he, so, preacher, he just felt dejected. He said some little short prayer, walked out of there, but then the next day, that Sunday, church was full. During the invitation, he watched as this dad, he hadn't seen the dad, he didn't even know he was back there. He said, This young dad came down the aisle, came all the way down. Preacher was shocked. He led the man, shared Christ with the man. The man prayed to receive Christ. man just weeping and crying, just bawling. And after he prayed to receive Christ, he told him to be seated on the front row. And he called one of those people to come and begin to take down the information. But the preacher couldn't help it. So when there was a break in the invitation, he finally just plopped down next to this man. And he said, I don't understand. He said, I came to your home yesterday. I tried to scream and holler over a ball game that you didn't cut down, you didn't cut off. Your little boy was running around. He said, it was absolutely chaotic. He said, but the day you come with tears in your eyes and you're coming down the aisle, I don't understand it. That dad looked up and tears just streaming down his face. He could hardly talk. He said, well, preacher, he said, after you left he said, my little boy came and he ran he jumped up in my arms. He put those little chubby arms around my neck and he whispered in my ear these words, Daddy, we don't want to go to heaven, do we, Daddy? We don't want to go to heaven, do we, Daddy? And that dad said, that melted his heart. He said, oh, what am I doing? Well, do you? Our Heavenly Father, we just come to You. and We pray, dear Lord, for every man, woman, boy, and girl in this room. We pray, dear Lord, that the power of Your Holy Spirit would be very, very real. We pray, dear Lord, that, that discipline will begin to come into our lives in the area of our finances. We pray, dear Lord, that we will begin to see our home, our car, our marriage, our children, everything, our job, our paychecks, everything is to be used for the honoring and the glory of our Lord and Savior Jesus. We give you credit. We give you honor for all of it. And then, Lord, give us the wisdom to invest it, to plan it, not not to hoard it, not to stash it, not to squander it on worthless stuff because we have an attitude and an altitude that's very low. God, get a hold of us today. May people begin to pray for us. May we increase our personal prayer chain because we are investing so much in the lives of others that people say, man, God bless that man. He's such a channel. God, bless that woman. She's such a channel. God, make us sensitive to your Holy Spirit. People don't need us to run with the world. They don't need us to continue to live and squander and find existence. They don't need us flirting in the gutter. They need us living in a high plane. They need us pressing forward. Dear Lord, convict parents here. Convict parents here to raise their children in a way that honors Christ. Christ. I pray, dear Lord, for young couples that, dear Lord, the enemy of debt, the 12 months, 24 months, 36 months, 48 months of no interest is just a, is just a scam that gets them in bondage. I pray for those that, that, that extend themselves in five and six years worth of payments on a vehicle that won't last I pray, dear Lord, for those young couples that find themselves in credit card debt because they're buying stuff to impress people they don't even like. God, today, set us free. You said we'll know the truth, and the truth will set us free. And our enemy, the devil, is destroying marriages, destroying homes. He's destroying a nation because we will fight and flounder and demand our benefits it is no longer ask what i ask not what you what this country can do for you, but what you can do for this country. That is not the mentality. We are materialistic. We are selfish. We are self-centered. We want our rights. We want our privileges. We want our benefits. We want our health care. We want all of these things. We don't care about the generations yet to come. God, break that spirit. Break that spirit that's holding this nation, holding families and marriages in bondage. God set us free of the phone calls, the toll-free, endless calls that come every single day to constantly tempt young couples to go in debt and credit. God bring brokenness and repentance to a materialistic land and let it begin in the heart's of the people in this room. So that when you whisper in our ear, when you whisper in our ear, you've heard your pastor talk about Zimbabwe. I want you to go. I want you to walk the streets of Chitungwiza. I want you to see children That are excited over a piece of candy, they call them a sweetie. I want you to see people that have no water. I want you to help them put a well down. I want you to go around the world and take the gospel. I want you to be free for the mom who cannot buy her child a coat this winter. For the homeless man that's tucked under the bridge who has lost all hope. For those that lose their home, those who live almost in poverty, I need you to be set free so you can obey me. God, set us free. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.